Life is short, and we will never know when the day comes we'll die. There's really no permanence to anything. Look around you. Your car, your clothes, your body, the people around you. People are getting older, people are dying. Your animals, your pets, everything. Everything is dying. That's entropy. And that is beautiful. It is very much beautiful. And today I want to show you why that really is beautiful and what we can do to use this. Not to be sad about it, not to fear death, but how to rejoice in it and how to use death as a daily practice to reconnect with the flow and the joy of every single moment. So, aloha and welcome to Prana Alchemy Podcast. Good to be back. I had a beautiful holiday for the last 10 days and it was really amazing, brought up lots of things in me. And I have to say, I didn't have a holiday in the last three and a half to four years. I was working nonstop on my business, on clients, on personal growth. And I never really took the time for myself to just let go, to just let go of everything and anything. Now, the topic today, as you heard in the intro, is really about death and the importance of bringing death into our daily life and understanding and being aware of our own death. And why this is so important is this. Now, when I was on my holiday, um, we made a road trip. It was beautiful. We were traveling through six or seven states. So we were going from California to Arizona, to New Mexico, to Colorado, to Utah, Nevada, and back to California and in with all within 10 days so we shifted states really fast we shifted Airbnbs and every single place and every single experience was so beautiful but at the same time the experience was over very fast and we experienced so much in those few days that I, I really came to realize like wow shit things are changing so fast one moment you're enjoying a certain place and the nature and in New Mexico, the beautiful Airbnb we had. And the next day you're on the road again, sitting in the freaking car and just waiting to, to arrive at the next point. And especially sitting in the car, I realized you're really always in this position where you're looking into the past and you're missing a beautiful experience of the past or you're longing for something in the future. And even if you're having a beautiful experience in, in a given moment, you're already planning and thinking to the future, to the next moment. But here's my question for you. What is if that future never comes? Now, in my last podcast, I talked about that when I was about 19, I came close face to face with death and I had to realize and be made aware of that I actually will die one day. And even more so, even more important, that day could be tomorrow, that day could be today. I could die in a car accident, whatever, tonight. And realizing this doesn't have to be sad. It doesn't have to even bring fear. And I was sitting in the car on a long car drive we had on our road trip. And I was contemplating my own death. And I was, was visualizing it. And I thought to myself, what is it? What can I do to counteract what is called psychic entropy? Psychic entropy is your mind, it's also the monkey mind, known as the monkey mind, but it's really your mind jumping from past to future to some bad experience to certain emotions 
it's really multitasking happening in your brain but it's very uncomfortable and it's the exact opposite of a flow state in a flow state and what makes flow state so beautiful is the highest amount of concentration that we have we are totally in the moment totally with the task at hand and we don't do anything else but the task at hand and that's called a flow state and it's a very beautiful experience most athletes know it most people really know flow states uh, even if not often but most people had it once or twice at least in their in their lives where they can remember wow i was doing that and i was just doing it and i was so involved in it i became that thing that i was doing and I was totally in flow. Now, in the car, what came up for me is, now, if everything is changing, we're all dying, and we simply have to accept that fact. It's not good, it's not bad, it's simply reality. And we don't know when that will be. Now, how can I make most out of every single moment? And I'm not talking about going, uh, throwing parties every day and, and, and trying to make every day the last day of your life like like you're throwing a big party and drinking whatever is fun to you or having lots of sex um i mean that's a good thing as well and important but i'm talking more about how can i make washing the dishes become something that's actually meaningful and fun to me how can i make sitting in this car driving become something that is meaningful to me that feels gives me a sense of fulfillment that gives me a sense of flow. So how can I reach a flow state in everything I do, not only in athletic events, not only when I want to perform at my best. So what I'm talking talking about is highly re related to performance, because this is the exact um, state we need for high performance. But I don't want to go there. What I want to do is I want to have this high performance state at any given time during my day. I want to be in the highest performance state when I wash my dishes. And why? Not because I want to wash my dishes better. Yeah, maybe my, my wife would say so. Uh, but really, it's not about that. Really, why I want to do that is because the state of flow is probably the most blissful experience we can have. Being totally in the moment, totally involved with what you're doing and counteracting psychic entropy, psychic entropy the, the destruction, the chaos in your psyche. The jumping from one thing to another and psychic entropy is really what um, what produces anxiety in people. Anxiety is a result of psychic entropy. Now, today I want to go into three different aspects that are needed to create a constant state of flow. And I don't really like to use this term because so many people use it and it's kind of a marketing term, whatever. <clears throat> but I'm really talking about a state of concentration, a state of being in the moment, living in the present. Eckhart Tolle would say a state of living in the power of now. Now, three things that are needed to enjoy our life at its fullest in every single moment. And I don't say it's easy. I don't say I do that. I get pissed. But I have to say that in the last years, and especially last year since I'm practicing these things and being made aware of these things, especially of psychic entropy and the aspect of concentration in living a happy life and our problems with multitasking, multimedia devices, and all those things to take that away. Um, I've become much more content and much more happy in tasks that I generally didn't like and that I really hated in a way. 
washing the dishes, being in a supermarket and shopping, doing all that stuff that's not really directly related to personal growth or my business or helping other people or my life vision. But actually it is related and we're going to see how. So the three aspects that we're going to go into or I want to share with you are the first one and the most important one is the life vision. The second one will be health because health is really the basis upon which we can build our life vision. And the third one is concentration. And they talked a little bit about that in another podcast, but I want to share some different aspects. Now, the first one is life vision. We need life vision. Everybody needs life vision. That is my honest opinion. And I don't think that people are worse or bad or whatever if they don't have one. But if we're talking about efficiency and if we're talking about happiness and if we're saying, that's also my opinion, that every single thing we do is to be happy. Really, all we want is we want to be happy no matter how. And most people don't really have the effective effective ways. They don't have the skillful means, that's Buddhist term, uh, to, to make that really happen. Most people are not that happy. A life vision gives us the ground for our ego. And I know the ego has many negative connotations and people talk bad about the ego and they say we have to get rid of the ego and blah, blah, blah. I think that's bullshit. It doesn't make sense because your ego is your vehicle for this life. Without an ego, you wouldn't know who you are. You would shit your pants. You, would, you, you wouldn't even know how to choose foods. You you would do everything. You couldn't even make any choices. So our life vision is our basis for a healthy ego and especially for healthy choices. So we need a life vision, a legacy, a life vision that is bigger than us, hopefully, to motivate us to make choices that actually serve us. If we don't have that, we will act out of unconscious behavior. We will act out of simply what our parents told us, what we saw on TV, um, the laws, um, whatever, all that stuff that that we get told what we should do. For example, you should make an apprenticeship or go to university, then start your job, then buy a house, have a wife, get children, and die sad and alone. It might be the most beautiful plan for some people, and it might be amazing, but in my experience, it's not that amazing for many people that I work with. At least not in the ways most people do it. So a life vision is to create something in your mind first and then hopefully on paper is to create a vision of what you want your life first of all to look like, the whole life, your whole life. And second, what the purpose of your life is. So what are you bringing to the world? And this is again about efficiency. I don't I don't come out of some religious idea of, oh, you have to serve people you have to be a good Christian or you be a sinner, whatever. You have to do good to other people. It's not that. Research shows very clearly, very, very clearly that people that serve other people, that where their life vision is um, built upon the service to other people, helping other people, not just oneself, are generally happier, healthier. They live longer. They have less accidents. Um, they have better marriages. They have better relationships, better friendships, all that. So I'm talking about efficiency, having a life vision that is bigger than yourself, where you're actually building upon a vision how to serve your tribe. And I talked about that in another podcast, 
where I say the first chakra, the first stage of development that we go through is related to our tribe. The first chakra is our grounding, our legs, our lower body. And it's related to our tribe in a way that our tribe is what is the first thing we grow into. The first seven years or even ten years, we can't care for ourselves. It's other people caring for us. It's your mom feeding you. It's your dad protecting you. It's all these things. Your grandma caring for you. Your whole tribe serves as a protective mechanism. So it's built into our biology that our life needs to have, find purpose in our tribe, in, in serving our tribe, doing something, bringing something, some gift into our tribe that actually will be of service and will help evolve the tribe. Now, you can choose your tribe, luckily, nowadays, with internet and whatever, but you want to find a life vision that motivates you, that, that inspires you. And don't only think in terms of, oh, what would be the best, best business model and whatever. I think that's a very bad idea. I think you should go into yourself and think about what is it that I love? What is it that I would do if I would win the lottery? What is it that, that I enjoy doing in my free time? What do I do on holiday? What do you read on holiday? Or what do you what kind of YouTube videos do you watch? What kind of topics are in there? What is it that you are surrounding yourself with? What kind of magazines do you read? What archetypes, what movies? What stories inspire you? And how can you bring those stories into a certain gift you could give to the world? Now, I mentioned archetypes, which would be simple terms you can think about in the way of magician, the lover, uh, the father, the mother. It could be the teacher. It could be the student, the seeker, the mystic. It could be the warrior, the healer, the shaman. It could be the artist, the actor. It could be many, many, many different things. Explorer, architect, uh, map maker, whatever. And using these terms can help a lot to, to really figure out, okay, I have all these stories. Who am I? What is going on here? What is really my gift to the world? Now, what research shows, besides the things I said, which is the most important why I have it here is, yeah, you learn to make, you make choices based on that life vision. You will be more happy, more healthy, have better relationships and all that. But most important, it will make you more stress resistant. And I think in the last or the one before, I talked about anxiety, the whole topic of anxiety and how to counteract it. And I said that motivation, a strong motivation, a strong drive automatically counteracts anxiety. And this is what I'm talking about. A life vision counteracts psychic entropy. Because remember, entropy is chaos. And chaos could really be also called not knowing. You're not knowing where you're going. You're not knowing how to make choices. There's all these different ideas, all these different things you could do, all these different blah, blah, blah. And your parents tell you you have to do this. Your teacher told you you have to do this. Um, your grandma wants you to do this. And your mind is just feeling like it's exploding. And that is psychic entropy, and that's a huge stressor for people. So a life vision and getting clear on what you want, getting clear on your gift, and letting go of all negative beliefs, of all limiting beliefs, of all the beliefs that people try to give you, your parents, your um, your your grandparents, your, your aunts and uncles, your society, TV, whatever, 
your teachers, all those people that say you can't do that, that won't work, blah, 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 all those limiting beliefs. We are here on this earth to crush those limiting beliefs and to reveal our gifts and our gift to societies, especially evolution. Really, in its essence, what we as children, as young people, even as older people, what every one of us is giving the world, but when a baby is born, the seed in the baby is really the seed of evolution for the tribe. I say it again. The seed within you, the seed of your gift, your own inherent perfection, the one thing that nobody has but you, is the seed of evolution, the evolution you bring to the tribe. And this is very difficult for many people to understand and you will encounter lots of difficulties, lots of stress, and evolution always brings great difficulty with us, or with it. But the beauty of all of this is that if you have a life vision and you learn to trust in yourself and you work hard at it and working hard at it and getting more skillful and finding teachers that can enhance the trust within you because you see in your teachers that it's possible and working on yourself, you will get more and more trust. You'll gain more and more faith in yourself because you see it's possible and you, you're making things happen. People say you'll never can and trust me, um, I've been through that a lot and I still am with the way I'm living, I'm traveling, I'm California now. You get a lot of wind <laughs> from people trying you, that is bad, that is this, judging you and whatever. But it's the most blissful, the most joyful and the most amazing movie you could ever live. If it's your own. If it's your movie. If it's written by yourself because that's what we're here for. Now, I want to come to the second aspect. The first aspect, I hope, is quite clear. It's a life vision. We have to get clear on our life vision. Where are we going? What is our purpose and what are we giving our tribe? In order to do that, in order to use this drive, this passion, this motivation effectively, we need health. <laughs> um, I talk, I'm talking mainly about physical health right now because mentally emotional health is also related to the life vision and concentration and so on and traumas but i'm really talking about health holistic health we need to live in tune with nature we uh, we need to live in tune with our physical body the animal body that we have now i make it very simple the concept i use is from paul check my mentor and teacher and he used the four doctor system so if we want to be healthy, we need to be aware of four aspects in our life, four doctors, four archetypes, four categories. And those four are, first of all, Dr. Diet. Dr. Diet is the ground of everything because Dr. Diet relates to what we are. We are what we eat. You may have heard that you are what you eat. And it's literally true. Every single cell in your body, every bone, every muscle, every brain cell, everything is made out of the stuff you eat. Now, do you want to be a McDonald's cheeseburger or do you want to be a grass-fed steak, bone broth, broccoli, organic fresh broccoli and cherries and whatever sexy fruits come into your mind? Now, for me, the choice is quite clear. We need to eat and we need to hydrate. We need to fill ourselves enough and not too much with the things our body needs to actually produce the hormones, the neurotransmitters, the proteins, 
um, the, the cell structures, the brain cells, whatever, everything. We need the food to actually build that stuff. You can't build, Paul, I think it was Paul Czech's father or something, but Paul quotes, I think his father that said, you can't make chicken salad out of chicken shit. That's pretty true. You can't make a good muscle or a good bone out of shitty muscle tissue or out of shitty bone tissue. And if you buy a cage-raised chicken, try to break its bone, it's quite easy. Buy a cage-raised chicken, try to break the bone or break the joint, it will be really easy. Then buy a wild pheasant, for example, or buy an organic uh, pasture-raised chicken, outside living chicken that was living off of on insects, was running free and tried to break its joint. It will be freaking hard compared. And that's the thing, same with our body. So no matter what your life vision is, what your dream is, you need the health, you need the physical body to actually support that. Now, the second aspect would be Dr. Quiet. We need enough quiet time and rest. And that's what I talked about. That's why I had a holiday. I didn't take enough Dr. Quiet. And this is especially important if you have a life vision. This is especially important if you are passionate about what you're doing, if you love what you're doing. For example, I loved fighting back in the day. I loved training, boxing and fighting, but I got so many injuries because I was overtraining. I was so in love with it that I, I felt bad about myself taking off uh, a day off. I felt bad if I, I felt even shame for myself if I didn't train or whatever, because I was so passionate about it, I was so into it. And of course there was lots of shadow material and unconscious stuff too, but I feel passionate about lo giving love to, to people. I feel passionate about my wife, I feel passionate about my friends, I feel passionate about my clients. But every now and then, I need just to put my fucking phone away and not answer my family, not take off the phone if somebody's calling me, and not working, not working with clients, and sometimes I don't even like to fucking study. I freaking love studying and reading and what, whatever. But that's the thing, whatever we get, do, we get oversatiated. And this oversatiation stops us from being healthy. It stops us from even enjoying the thing. It stops us from even being conscious about the value of that thing. And you know that exactly. When you are really missing someone, you were on holiday or traveling, whatever, and you come back to that person, oh my God, if it's, if it's your lover, the sex is better, it's amazing, it's exciting. Kissing the person, hugging the person, being with that person, being with a friend you haven't seen in a long time. It's so fulfilling. And that fulfillment drops down slowly if we don't get that distance in every now and then. So sleep, adequate sleep, eight hours at least for most people. Um, quiet time, rest, introspection, meditative practices, could be dancing, could be anything. But something where you go into yourself, where you, you close the world around you, where you have your own space, your own room. I tell my clients to build themselves an altar. For example, to have a space to get Dr. Quiet, where you actually can retreat and introspect and be with yourself. Now, the third aspect, the third doctor would be Dr. Movement. Dr. Movement is related to getting enough movement in our day. Um, could also be related to sunshine, getting that daylight in, that yang energy. But really, we all need movement. And I personally believe we need at least three hours of movement a day. 
and it sounds a lot, but I'm not talking about having three hours of workout per day. I'm talking about movement. And if you work uh, in a chair, if you work at a desk, I think you need even more. You need lots of peace points. Uh, I give my clients every hour on the hour a peace point to stand up from the chair and take some breathing, breathing squats, some deep breaths with squatting pattern, uh, a little bit of movement or stretching every now and then. But we need to move regularly. And that could be gardening, it could be taking a walk, it could be a workout, it could be qigong, it could be many things. Um, if your work involves physical work, you might especially need more stuff like qigong, what Paul Chek calls working in practices, where you're actually breathing slowly and pumping the body and you're relaxing, stretching, yoga, all these different aspects. Now, the last aspect we talked about is Dr. Happiness. It's your life vision, your values. So these are the four aspects of health. Now, why did I go into these and why are they important? Why is your health so important? When we're talking about making the most out of every single moment, then we have to first of all understand that body and mind are really one. It's not body and mind, it's body-mind. It's one word, body-mind. It's so much interconnected and you can test it very easily, very, very easily. Now, think about a time where you had lots of fear and try to bring up that fear or try to bring up a time where you're very happy. Try to bring up any kind of strong emotion, anger, whatever. Just bring it up. Don't get crazy about it, but just bring up a certain emotion. And now think for a moment, where do I feel it? How do I feel my emotion? How do I feel my thought? An emotion is really a felt thought. So in order to have an emotion, energy and motion, we need to have a thought at first and then we need to feel the thought in some ways. Now, what is feeling? The body is feeling. If you get scared, you feel the tension in your neck, you feel the tension in your jaw, you feel the butterflies in your stomach. If you get, if you enjoy and you get relaxed and you're happy, you feel the relaxation in your body. You feel the smile, your face, and especially, of course, our face and the smile and, and um, our whole expression in our face is a good example of how interrelated body and mind are. If you are happy, you look happy. If you're unhappy, you look unhappy. And your body represents that as well. Now, all that said, in order to be in the moment, to be in flow, we need a life vision. We talked about that. And we need, to, we need health because health takes away physical entropy. And physical entropy, the physical destruction of your body, the physical breaking down of your body, slowing that down or even stopping it and coming into that building up mode where you actually your body is healing, will automatically, because body and mind are interconnected, have a huge influence on your mind. So as long as you're eating shit you're intolerant to, as long as you're addicted to some kind of food, like be it gluten or, or milk products or... Uh, McDonald's or fast food or Snickers bars or whatever you're addicted to them you think they make you happy not realizing that those things might actually take away the experience of happiness in any given moment physical health is really the, the best described as the experience of contentment in the moment when you are physically healthy you are you feel just content because there's nothing wrong with you there's nothing wrong with the moment. There's no pain. There's nothing itching. There's no anxiety. And your mind calms down. 
your mind calms down with your body, together with your body. If you're eating shit and your body feels it's dying, if you're not moving enough and your body feels the cells in your body are didn't, don't get enough water, don't get hydrated, they don't get nutrition through the blood because you're not pumping your body, your muscles, your lymphatic system is overloaded and your liver is overloaded, you're not detoxing properly and all those toxins build up in your body, all these things, your body will think it's dying and it literally is. So what we need to do is we need to build a healthy base, a healthy body, in order to then have the the flow, the contentment, the relaxation, and the power and the energy, especially. Uh, especially, yeah. <laughs> to actually then function in the best way we can for our life vision, perform at our best, but most important, enjoy life at its fullest at any given moment because we can be fully present with the moment because we don't need to look to the future because our body isn't in that in that fierce mindset our body is relaxed our body is nourished we don't need to crave food all the time we we might be able we we can travel actually without the constant anxiety of not finding something to eat, whatever. If you're really healthy, it wouldn't be a big problem to go without food for three days. You wouldn't really even feel bothered about it. Why? Because you're so nourished and you're, you're satiated and your body is strong that not eating for three days would be just, yeah, it's okay, I feel a little hunger. But most people, they don't get a, a meal or they don't find the right snack or it takes a little too long. They're freaking out and they get all anxiety and angry and they get pissed and we all know these people that get angry when they're hungry well in my opinion that's people that are not healthy a healthy body doesn't get angry just because there's no food for an hour okay all that said let's go to the last aspect the last aspect is concentration concentration i talked about that in a few other podcasts is really the most important factor in my opinion, my experience, to train. And many people nowadays are into meditation, especially into mindfulness meditation and so on. But what research by Daniel P. Brown and, and other people like that shows, even Kim Wilbur, is that most mindfulness retreats and mindfulness practices are very, very unsuccessful in giving people flow experiences or awakening experiences. And the main reason for that, let me get a sip of tea here. <clears throat> the main reason for that is that mindfulness practice is based in the Eastern tradition. So it's based in a completely different culture and it's not, it was not converted for the Western culture. Now the West, Western culture is highly sympathetic, highly overloaded, highly overboard and yang with everything. And that's what we talked about with psychic entropy. We are in a constant hustle, in a constant multitasking mode. We're on our fucking cell phones all day long, having being on Instagram, then a WhatsApp message comes in. Oh, somebody FaceTimes you. Oh, shit, I need to comment on that shit. Oh, something. Oh, that picture looks beautiful. Oh, I get crazy. And this is psychic entropy. So really all the social media and all the media devices, even though they are powerful and beautiful, and for, for me, for example, they are part of my life vision and they use them. Still, we need to be aware of that we all in the West really, 
we all have ADHD to a certain degree. And what I mean by that is we have all attention deficit disorders. Um, Daniel P. Brown's research shows that really most people can not concentrate longer, even if they try as hard as they can, than three seconds. That is fucking sad. We cannot concentrate longer than three seconds, and most people even less. That's a big problem. Now, talking about meditation and flow states and being very direct here is that if you cannot hold a certain view, a certain intention that you have, let's say the intention to be in the moment and to connect with the divine, to connect with the flow state, to connect with ultimate awareness or the ultimate ground of being or whatever kind of practice you're doing, if you try to get into that moment, but you cannot concentrate, so you cannot hold that view, you cannot hold that intention, but it's only for three seconds. For three seconds, you feel like, wow, I'm totally in the moment, maybe just one second. And then, whoops, whoops, you're gone. You're gone, you're somewhere else. And thinking about shit. And then you're thinking about other shit. And you're totally backing psychic entropy. What they call in Tibetan Buddhism, chasing after mode. You're chasing after thoughts. So, in Tibetan Buddhism, and in Mahamudra, in most traditions, the emphasis is very, very high on concentration. It's called shamatha meditation. And especially in the, in the West, it's interesting, where it's most needed, where it's really most important. They even put less emphasis on it in the West than they do in the East. So it's crazy. But we need shamatha. We need concentration. We need to learn to have the ability to concentrate, to focus our intention on a certain object. If I want to wash my dishes and I'm able to be with my dishes and just be there and not think about all kinds of shit during doing it, uh, during, while I'm doing it, but to actually be with the task at hand and do it right and do it good and do it with some passion because it's part of my life vision because I want to have clean dishes because I don't want to get fungal infections and parasites and I see clearly that it's part of my life vision beautiful but I have to be able to do it with concentration I have to be able to counteract ADHD behavior attention uh, attention entropy really splattering out constant multitasking and that is done in a variety of ways there's a variety of ways to do this what I personally practice is the elephant path um, is my, my teacher is Tibetan Buddhist and Tibetan Bon teacher Dzogchen teacher but in a sense, it's really about concentration meditation, learning to concentrate on a mantra, on the breath, and how the breath feels in the body. That's what I recommend for Westerners, because the breath is something physical, and you don't want to have a word or a mantra or something, because we're already too heady anyway. So I prefer using the breath. That's what I learned. So you could practice concentration meditation, which can certainly bring you into the deepest states possible. And it will enhance your ability to concentrate with everything. So you have that lap over. You learn to concentrate on your breath. Automatically in your day, you learn to concentrate on driving the car. But the other, the second aspect besides, besides uh, practicing concentration in itself, and there's many apps actually for it, many different tools. Just look for how can I practice concentration. But another way is to just bring that intention into your day. And just to be aware of what I talked about, psychic entropy, 
multitasking, how your mind is jumping from one task to another. Actually, you wanted to make a Facebook post, let's say. But when you went on Facebook to do that, oh, somebody wrote you. So you answer him first. And then you saw somebody comment on, commented on your, on your picture. Oh, and then you do that. And then you do this. Holy hell, you actually wanted to write an email, but then you got a WhatsApp by a buddy that needs your help. So you answer that first and then you forgot about the email and it pops up in your mind that you need to do the dishes. So you go doing the dishes and oh, during doing, doing the dishes, you certainly remember you have to write the email. So you stop doing the dishes, go back to the email and so on. That's the life of lives of most, most people. <laughs> and this is very sad. So just to bring that intention into your day, to be with whatever task you choose to do. Choose a task and choose whatever it is that you want to do. If you want to sit on the couch and relax, do it. But leave your fucking phone alone. If you want to be on your phone and it's a conscious choice, get on your phone and do whatever you want to do. If you want to look YouTube, look YouTube. If a WhatsApp comes in, ignore it. Learning to ignore, learning to shut out certain things is a very, very important practice. It's very important because that's exactly what in, uh, attention means. It, it does not mean you're suppressing emotions. It does not mean you're suppressing things. What it means is you're consciously choosing what you want to look at and you're sticking with it and nothing can change that. And that brings an amazing amount of strength. You'll feel better than your whole life. Trust me. Uh, for me, concentration practice and the awareness of these aspects I've shared have changed my whole life in so many ways, um, be it in performing better in sports, but also about especially in being happier, having less stress in my life, feeling less chaotic, feeling less um, in entropy. I feel I'm not exploding anymore. I can just be with whatever I'm doing. I'm doing a podcast right now. So I just do a podcast. There's nothing else to do. I decided to do a podcast, so I do it. I sit here and talk to you guys. Okay, guys, so I hope you enjoyed this small intro into the importance of bringing the idea of death our life into our lives and realizing that we can die at any moment. So we should really try to make the best out of every moment. Life is so short. Life is short and I'm freaking 25 and I even realized that um, thanks to uh, a very beautiful experience I had nearly dying. And I'm very thankful for it because it helped me to realize that, yeah, actually I can die tomorrow. It's actually possible. It's actually quite realistic. Doesn't mean it will happen. But probably the chance of me dying tomorrow is probably greater than me winning the lottery. And how many people do you see playing lottery all, all, every week and spending money on it? But nobody thinks about that. I want and I wish for people to bring death into their daily lives and the awareness of death, to contemplate death and to use it, to use this as a realization that we should make the most out of life. We should juice it. We should milk it. We should milk every moment. It doesn't matter how trivial your life or any situation is. Trust me, if you get into that flow state, anything, and I forget that again and again and again, I forget it every day, but anything can be so amazing, so intense, so fascinating. But this only happens if we get out of our conceptual mind. 
if we are with the raw experience, if we look around us and try to see everything in high definition, if we get outside of ourselves with our senses and we really try to experience the moment. Remember, for a child, touching water the first time, consciously, is a freaking amazing experience. It's so amazing. The first kiss, all that. And our conceptual mind builds clouds and clouds and clouds and more clouds over it until we can't even see the bright, brilliant light of every experience. This bright, brilliant light of, of this human experience that we have, it's so amazing. We're flying around on a rock through the freaking universe. Think about it. How did we even get here? What the hell is going on here? And life could end at any, any moment. So let's juice it. Let's milk it. And I hope this podcast was beautiful to you. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you were able to milk it and juice it and have lots of fun. And I hope you take these three aspects of a life vision of the importance of physical health and the importance of concentration and working against psychic entropy. Uh, I hope that you take these tools with you. You practice those. They will be coming up again and again because these three aspects are really the main aspects of what I'm teaching in a broad variety, of course, and individual variety. But these are very, very much the aspects of what makes a happy life. So much love and peace. I see you next week. I'm happy to be back with my podcast after my beautiful holiday. And I'm just sending you all my love, all my happiness. Peace.